I'm Frederick Yorton, and I'm the filmmaker. And I'm Leilani Farho, and I'm the advocate. And this is Pushback Talks. And uh, Leilani, we started this Pushback Talks in the middle of the pandemic because we're suddenly we're not allowed to meet anymore. Because before we that, we were traveling the world sometimes together, but a lot to talk about the film Push. And, um, and we met a lot of amazing people around the world. And, and when the pandemic came, we wanted to find a way to, to keep talking. And we named it Pushback Talks. And I think we are now, this is the fifth season, so we're trying to, to find a new role for this pushback. And it's obviously a podcast about people fighting back, isn't it? It is, as it should be. And there are <laughs> lots and lots of people, more and more, I think, pushing against the systems that are crushing us, really. So we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, and I think the news media has a tendency of telling only one story. And of course, it's always a very important story, like what's happening in Ukraine or and the amazing girls in, in Iran that are also really inspirational. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of very important stories to talk about, but we should also there's also other struggles going on. And and now we're actually going to fly out to to Athens, Greece, your your the town your dad lived in when you were a a young girl. Mm, I have an affection for Greece and for Athens, so I'm excited by us covering this story. Um, yeah, it's a precious place. Yeah, a little bit more than a year ago, we had a guest from Athens, from the Athens Media Lab, Live Lab, Sotiris Sediris, and he's a data journalist, so he told us very much about how the city was sold out after the, the financial crisis and the European Union imposing a lot of very strong restrictions or behavior on Greece that really destroyed the country in many ways. It's extremely brutal program. And also the effect of the golden passports that invited a lot of uh, criminal money into the city. And we talked about that before, about Lisbon and about it. Uh, you know, Malta, Cyprus, we, I mean, the golden passport is, it's a ticket for criminal money. And Leilani, what are people doing with their criminal money? Where do they place it? Where else? Real estate, of course. Yeah. Housing, housing, housing. And I remember in that show, uh, Sotiris Ediris, he mentioned one neighborhood called Exarchia that over a very short period, lost a big percentage of the population thanks thanks to airbnb investments and so on so today we have three guests who are actually fighting the fight for exarchia and uh let's start with uh, christina you're you're fighting for the green spaces in in your neighborhood tell me tell me a little bit more about your your struggle in your and your neighborhood why do you love your neighborhood what's so special with exarchia Right. So basically what is happening in Exarchia is we see multiple public spaces being under attack. Uh, for sure, as you mentioned, uh, the concentration of uh, land like has changed massively. The fact that we live in a neighborhood that is so densely populated with Airbnbs has changed the social fabric of our neighborhood. Uh, we live amongst tourists, our houses, um, when the contract runs out, get overpriced, we are forced to leave 
um, and reforced out of our neighborhoods. And what is so beautiful about the Exarchia is that it's um, a neighborhood that has had such significant um, presence within the recent, uh, the modern Greek history, that is, it's a place where the university, the Polytechnic University is situated, where the uprising against the military uh, junta took place. It's a place where um, it has been renowned that a lot of movements come together and take uh, shape, take um, space also, um, it's also the neighborhood where um, the murder of Alexis Grigoropoulos happened in 2008, which sparked the biggest insurrection um, in like any modern Western state um, in 2008. That's severely important to us. And it's also for me what is uh, very unique and beautiful about Exarchia is that it's a neighborhood that it's made up of many small communities. I wouldn't say that there isn't one singular face to it, um, because if that were to be the case, I'm afraid it would be a rather dark one, an Airbnb-ish face. Um, it's a lot of small communities trying to get together and cover from us the needs that we have. Um, it is a lot of struggling communities. We're talking about migrants and homeless people. Yeah, I've been to Athens many times. I don't think I've been to Exarchia, but it's obviously a very tolerant neighborhood where everybody is welcome, you know, refugees, and, and, and it's also a place for artists and, and resistance. And, and I think in PUSH, we talk about Kreuzberg of Berlin, and uh, we talk about uh, uh, the Kensington Market in Toronto. I mean, we, I mean, we, we go to many of these places where the tolerance is bigger, and there have been some small breeding grounds in many cities for culture and so on. But it's it kind of I know we have we talk about uh, uh, Notting Hill in Kensington in, in in London. It's it's kind of clear that those cultural spots are now under threat globally and it this is uh, it's uh, these kind of investments are killing culture and killing neighborhoods it's something we we need to talk about uh, more and and we have here nikos papakostas who is in a group that is fighting the metro you don't want the metro station in your neighborhood nikos tell us about this hello and thank you for the invitation um uh, so it is related to the to the metro station, but it is part of a wider question of power, and I think this is uh, what uh, is um, what's being discussed. Uh, so uh, we are not uh, against the metro as a means of transportation, but uh, we are against the metro as a means of, of political imposition. So uh, this is how it is used. Uh, it is quite clear that uh, the government considers us obsessive on one uh, political idea or ideology. And for this reason, the a public work coming of uh, taxes of everyone is being used to impose uh, a particular cultural and, and, and political position. Since uh, 17 months ago, we started this struggle uh, in, uh, for a metro station that would destroy the only um, square of, of our very densely populated neighborhood. 
one of the only public free spaces that we have left and uh, a breathing space for everyone. At the same time, we're talking about a very significant cultural landmark, a very important political space uh, where different uh, movements, social movements, uh, collectives, uh, uh, disobedience uh, activities have taken place and have gathered uh, to, to discuss, to connect and to act. And for this reason, uh, the Exarchia Square is under attack and right now it is covered in metal sheets uh, that is being guarded by hundreds, literally hundreds, of police around the clock. Every day? So there is, exactly. at this moment, there are hundreds of police watching at this construction site? Exactly, exactly. And since how long, since how long has this policeman been standing there? On the, on the 9th of August, at half past four uh, in the morning, uh, police forces by the hundreds came to Exarchia Square to impose this uh, public work. Uh, the citizens uh, reacted, of course, uh, but uh, it was the midst of August and they were uh, fully armed in full equipment, uh, hundreds, literally hundreds of policemen that have been here ever since. Uh, the, the community, the, the neighborhood has, has reacted uh, and uh, the people and the community has been boiling. Uh, the protests that we have organized lately are massive and uh, are way beyond the neighborhood level. Uh, intellectuals, uh, artists, uh, people uh, have expressed their solidarity to our cause. Uh, and generally speaking, uh, we, we are talking about a significant majority of the local population that is against this uh, public construction work. And this is how, how and why it should be guarded by hundreds of police every day. Because I, I understand that you would like this station to happen 500 meters away, so you could in some way protect uh, this the, the neighborhood from. Is it the influx of tourists that are you're afraid of, or or what is it? Just that a new metro station means that the real the, the real estate bid will be more valued, and then suddenly it will start to push people out. There are several reasons why uh, the, this metro station uh, it should not be built on Exarchia Square. One is related to the change of, uh, of the commercial use of the neighborhood, the change of the, of the culture and the character, uh, the destruction of, uh, of trees and the cutting down of over 70 trees that are uh, valuable for, for our community and for the city. That is uh, very uh, full of, uh, very concrete as uh, anyone who's been in Athens know. Uh, at the same time, though, uh, it is not our position to, to suggest an alternative spot. Uh, there has been a discussion about an alternative spot that we, we consider it quite more reasonable than the, this one. Uh, but our collective and our group has connected around the cause of saving the square, because it is the last public free space, because it is the last green space, the la it's the place where we can meet and connect and connect our, uh, connect our struggles and uh, political causes, and for this reason, it needs to be destroyed by the government. Leilanis, you as a former UN Special Rapporteur, what do you take out of it? A huge public investment going into a neighborhood, it normally means it will attract money because that's an infrastructure that is paid by the public, but will the buildings around that station will be worth much more and that will drive in new money. Isn't, that's the model, isn't it? It's, a, yes, replicated city after city with no discussion generally with the local community to see the impact that it will have on the local people who are living there. No discussion generally in terms of, well, what does this community actually need versus what do we as a 
government think we want to impose. Um, it's almost impossible to protect these zones. Like, so a metro hub will be put in, and then to try to, they say, okay, then we want to intensify uh, with more housing and more stores, et cetera, it's almost impossible to get in the kinds of protections to make sure local residents are actually benefiting if there is even possible benefits from the infrastructure. And this is then a neighborhood that is already severely hit by financialization exactly. uh, of the, the Golden Passports, yeah. the, 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 yeah. the, the flooding in of... of foreign criminal money yeah. basically yeah, exactly but what's so interesting that nikos raised is the idea that the square plays this symbolic and practical purpose for protesters movements everyday people to gather to imagine a new world a different world to challenge and it's that that's being taken away as much as what's being brought in, if you see what I mean, I I think that's really powerful. It's also what I understand the neighborhood that's been that's been more responsible than any most other neighborhoods in Europe because they have been receiving a lot of refugees uh, coming over, you know, coming out of the refugee camps or you know people being protected there in some ways on their way. This neighborhood is also part of a of a global drama, isn't it? Uh, Christina. Yes, for sure. I mean, Exergia has always kind of been the more, uh, let's say, liberated space, the more forward-thinking neighborhood, um, and so on and so forth. It has been a neighborhood that has had a lot of squats, a lot of uh, migrant squats also during the period of 2015-16. A lot of these, like, a lot of these squads were then uh, shut down and evicted by the Syriza government. Right now, there's only one last squad remaining, Notera squad, um, which we really hope that we will be able to defend for it to stay. Um, it has always been a melting pot of uh, different people coming along and um, living together. And I think what uh, this violent process of gentrification is showing to us is the expulsion of, let's say, the poorest base of a community. It is us who cannot afford to, at the end of the day, be taking the metro all the day, every day. It is us who will go by bike or by the overcrowded buses to our works. It is us who will not be able to um, pay the rents in these new houses as land prices go up. And it is something that is happening with uh, more development plans as uh, in that uh, forest, in that hill, Streffy Hill, that I mentioned before. Yeah. Thank you, Christina. We also have a guest who is in between Brussels and Athens, Eva Betsavatsi. You are in the European Action Coalition for the Right to Housing and to the City. So you are organizing communities around Europe. So I'm, 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 I would like you to help us to put Echarsia into like a European perspective. Yes, uh, hello. So I'm a, indeed a facilitator for the European Action Coalition. Uh, so it is a network of uh, more than 35 grassroots movements around Europe. Uh, 
uh, Europe in a larger sense, so not only EU, but um, also countries like Serbia and uh, UK now and all this. Uh, and uh, the purpose of the coalition was to create um, a network of uh, solidarity and exchange of uh, skills and knowledge between uh, these grassroots movements to help uh, so that we can help each other, empower each other, and also to uh, know that uh, some situations in some countries of Europe uh, are similar from city to city. So what we observe in Exarchia at the moment uh, is something that we could also observe in other uh, cities of uh, Europe and uh, not only southern Europe like uh, Lisbon, uh, Barcelona, Roma, which are cities that have uh, been uh, attacked in a way by Airbnb, by touristification, by gentrification, by real estate development, uh, by gentrification processes that were uh, uh, that were in a way supported by the government without uh, there being uh, laws or, or um, measures that could protect the inhabitants and that uh, made some city centers like uh, the city of Lisbon or Barcelona uh, empty of their actual uh, inhabitants. So this is what we see now in Exarchia. This, the same phenomenon is happening, uh, not only in Exarchia, in general in the, the center of Athens. But there is a particularity in Exarchia that uh, I think uh, Christina and Nikos uh, tried to point out. Uh, it is the, the political character and the violence of this uh, gentrification process through police presence, uh, but also uh, the fact that uh, the government, the actual Greek government, is uh, an enemy of uh, this uh, uh, solidarity movements um, and uh, of uh, the grassroots movements that uh, happen to organize in Exarchia, and also the history of Exarchia as a neighborhood of resistance that is very important to, to see the symbolic uh, side of this gentrification. So you mean they actually want to, to break that, uh, that uh, they want to break a place of, uh, of resistance because it's been a source and a heart of the resistance in Greece for so many years. So it's they think that they could finally just break you all. It's like, uh, it seems to be very violent. And it's not only the government, it's also the, the mayor of Athens is also what I understand uh, in a part of this game right now. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it seems to be a tough opposition for you. How, how do you see this, Nikos? Are you, we, we like uh, optimistic stories, so Give us some, give us some hope. What are what are you doing to to fight back? Yeah, I I, I could give you plenty of hope uh, because there is uh, a lot of energy and uh, a lot of emancipatory power uh, uh, lying it or or happening in Exarchia in our neighborhood. And I just wanted to to go back to the question that you asked before. For me, living here has been an emancipatory experience altogether. And uh, raising my children here is uh, very important for them, for their development and for their growth. Uh, so for this reason, we are, we are very strongly uh, motivated and encouraged to continue this struggle that is uh, on very unfavorable terms. The, the mayor of Athens, uh, Kostas Bakoyanis is his name, uh, is the nephew of the prime minister. 
So the prime minister uh, is uh, very much uh, elected in power in an agenda of, uh, of safety and security. On the top of this agenda was Exarchy area. So from the, from the onset of uh, this new government, Exarchy was the, was the target. And, um, and after the, the pandemic happened and, um, and everything settled down and going to, to the elections, uh, the government wants to clear out or, or wants to leave up to its agenda of, uh, of law and order by returning to Exarchia and imposing works that have no legitimacy, that there, there is no uh, social legitimacy or consensus on those public works. But it happens in order for the electorate of, of the government uh, to be satisfied. Um, also, I would like to point out uh, an interesting fact. I don't know if it is for a global audience as, a, as of your podcast, but right now the, the works in Exarchia Square, they happen without the proper permissions. And for this reason, after legal measures that we have taken as, a, as an assembly or as citizens, for that matter, uh, the works have stopped because oh. for the past two months, uh, we have metal sheets, we have uh, hundreds of police around the square, we have uh, heavy drilling and, and, and works happening in the construction site, but not the proper permission coming from the state. So uh, to, they're to actually working without the permission right now? For the past two months, they've been working without proper permissions. And this is uh, not based on, on what um, I'm saying. It is based on what the, the, the state and, uh, and the Ministry of uh, Energy and the Environment is, has officially stated to us. Uh, after that, we, we made um, a call to the local police station and uh, the works are stopped. I'm, Nico, I'm wondering, are other communities in Athens supporting you as you're struggling and because this to me could be, it's a, such a flashpoint of, of, it's a very here and now situation. This is happening worldwide. And I imagine that you could get a lot of support, maybe from other neighborhoods, other communities that haven't been successful in challenging gentrification, financialization, et cetera. I'm so, I'm wondering. Definitely. So we, we have been enjoying uh, huge support by people, uh, people like us, uh, people from, for, from our class, people who, who share our, our interests, uh, uh, struggles and, and struggles. However, as I, I should mention before about the state of, uh, of democracy and of the rule of law in Greece, uh, you need to point out that the media is state controlled, is government controlled actually, uh, under government control. This means that uh, the, um, the Exarchia Square being the, the jewel on the chrome of, uh, of the law and order agenda of the government uh, cannot be played, cannot be aired uh, on, in a normal way or on normal terms. They have been demonized, uh, this neighborhood, this small part of, uh, of, of land in the center of Athens have been demonized. Everyone has an opinion about what happens, what happens in Exarchia, and this has to do with the fact that we are very central in the agenda of the government about law and order. Mm. So, I mean, they always use law and order to, to fight people <laughs> and not fight crime. Eva, sorry, I, uh, I, was, I was a little bit interrupting you before, I'm, uh, so if you can come in, because I'd like you to, to bring in the European perspective uh, of, of what, do you, what do you see like this happening in other cities around, around Europe, and, and do you have any other stories that you think you, we, should, we should know about? 
Yes, uh, so there are many other stories. I can tell you one in Brussels, for example, which is the city where I live also. Um, so now, during the pandemic, you know, it was an excuse for many governments to start uh, public works. And uh, uh, it, uh, it was an excuse for many reasons, because first of all, there was a lot of uh, uh, financial capital that was concentrated on space, real estate, and all this stuff. And so that brought uh, new new works to to develop, uh, and also because of the supposedly need of uh, change in uh, in the urban landscape. Uh, for example, uh, many cities like uh, Paris uh, uh, or even Amsterdam or uh, Berlin they they want to change their uh, urban landscape uh, to let more place for uh, bicycles, less place for cars. These kind of changes occur. They occur in specific neighborhoods which are poor, which happen to be poor. There are gentrification processes that take place, and there is no regulations for the actual inhabitants uh, to not be expelled from these neighborhoods. And so I'm coming back to my example of Brussels with a metro station that uh, we, is uh, being built in uh, a street called Stalingrad, uh, which is in the center of Brussels. It's a poor neighborhood. The work started during the pandemic. There was uh, no place for resistance on this metro, but many, many organizations in Brussels went against it. And uh, it's a huge amount of public money. Uh, um, and, and we see that... Uh, as for Exarchia, in, in a way, it's, it's a different scale, of course, a different city, a different situation, but still it happens to be uh, at the same moment, for the same purpose, with the same excuses, in a way. So uh, we see that uh, in many other cities of Europe, and uh, we are worried about these uh, gentrification processes. Yeah, I, I was in Brussels uh, showing push, actually, and I met a lot of activists uh, uh, from the different struggles in Brussels. And I know the, the debate is very strong also in, in Brussels. I think what you talked about also about we want sustainable cities, we want bike lanes, we want good public transport. That's a part of fighting for a better climate. But a city also needs to be socially sustainable, and the politicians tend to forget about that. So then will you, you put the bike lane the prices go up because people prefer bikes to cars, you know, and they want to drive their cars, but they don't want to live by a big street. So it, this is this is a conflict. A lot of cities are fighting. We we met in we met people in the US who talked about it's green enough. We don't want a new park because if you give us all these beautiful trees and playgrounds, we can't afford to live here anymore. That's very scary and very, very sad. So to all city planners who listen to, to us now, think about if you want to make your city better, you also need to think about the social aspects. Leilani, you remember we went to, to meet the friends of the High Line in New York City. What did yeah. they say to us? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, they said to us that 
um, all of the uh, touristification that happened as a result of the High Line and these architecturally designed buildings on either side were contributing nothing to the actual community. They weren't even paying any fees or taxes that would go directly back into the community to make the community better. We found out that the low-income community, African-American community living beside the High Line in public housing don't want the High Line, weren't using the High Line, weren't interested in it. You know, what, what did they probably need? Community centers and programming for children who whose parents have no money and, you know, these sorts of things. So it's funny that you raised the High Line, Frederick, because I was, I was thinking very much about that. And I was actually, Leilani, I was yeah. shooting for my new film very mm. close with your friend Rob Robinson, who is an, an, a New York homeless activist, a very, very nice gentleman. And it, mm. this was just in the neighborhood. Uh, and I remember how the friends of Highland said, of the Highland said, we, this was a mistake. Mm -hmm. it, what we did was actually, if we knew, we wouldn't have done it in this way. So they I think said, it's... They yeah. said, really interesting and interesting for this, this uh, situation in ex Archia. Uh, sorry. Exarchia. Exarchia. Yeah. I have my heater on. My tongue is thick. It's cold in Canada. Um, they said about the High Line that they asked the wrong question. Um, that they asked, you know, what could we do with this uh, bare and vacant railway line rather than asking what does this community actually need? Yeah. And I think it's really similar to your situation. I mean, there's something very sinister about gentrification, if that's what you want to call it, financialization. Um, it happens as if it's good. A metro station. Who can complain about a metro station? A beautiful park on a high line. Who can complain about a new park in New York City? And what's not discussed is the impact, the effect on the local community, what makes that community, as Christina was so eloquently talking about, you know, so interesting, right, is the people, the mix of people. And what really worries me in all of these situations is I, I just don't understand where governments think these people are going to go. Where will, where will people live? Where are the people going to go? But it's it's not only the people; it's actually the culture of a neighborhood. And this you're talking about Exarchia as a you know a hundred year old story of 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 culture and resistance in Athens with the Rebetica clubs and the, the the writers, the painters, the graffiti, the the students who took on fascism. I mean, there, it's a very deep story, and we can go back to it in the film we talked about Notting Hill. The, the the Caribbean carnival and you know all this kind of many things that that make a city a city and if we just kill off a neighborhood like Exarchia or Notting Hill or others everybody will lose not only people there the, the whole city will will lose and then you you mentioned when we talked Leilani all cities will look like airports in the end you know is this what we want? So it's the fight you are doing in Exarcha is it's for more than only your own group of people, I would say. 
I agree with what has been said. I think um, I wanted to give a little bit more nuance when you spoke about uh, networks. So in Athens, we're seeing the um, violent like taking of uh, the public space. It is true that uh, during the quarantine and during COVID era, all of us like more or less rediscovered the use and the joy that public spaces bring to us. Um, in Greece, we had a phenomenon of very um, heavily policed public spaces, especially Exarchia Square was uh, constantly occupied by police forces uh, during the COVID, um, during these two years. And what I wanted to say is that the discourse, the public discourse, has actually started taking on the issue of public spaces and the issue of how this development in public spaces is taking place. We're talking about big, big projects in all of Athens here that uh, don't start and finish with Exarchia Square. We're talking about a new metro line. We're talking about um, revamping or redevelopment projects that are so huge and uh, in their negative externalities, let's say, they actually bring the violent expulsion of the people that um, inhabit these areas. Two examples I wanted to mention is the, my, the refugee camp of Eleonas. Um, it is an official camp that is threatened by eviction. All migrants are slowly, slowly forced to move in closed detention centers. And the development plans for this um, for this piece of land is that it should become a sports stadium, a football stadium. There is another example. Uh, it's a community called Prosfijika. It's a community, a self-organized community of uh, migrants and communists and anarchists in the center of Athens that have come together and built a, com a self-sustainable community. Um, this is being threatened with uh, eviction and in its place they want to um, actually make a museum for migration, um, which is a very ridiculous way of showing us that the actual intention behind this thing is not beautifying the city. It actually is expelling the people that are not productive for the sort of vision um, the municipality and private companies have for the city. Because just a tiny comment, what we're seeing right now in Athens is we're seeing uh, something similar to the model that is happening in London, publicly owned privately owned public spaces. We're seeing the um, management of public spaces passing over onto private companies. This is what is also happening in Streffy Hill, where basically this is coming as a way to cover for the lack of care the municipality has been showing to private spaces for a very long time. And their answer is privatizing them. Privatization then comes with much higher costs for the community because we're talking about a change in the actual character of these public spaces and we talk a lot about surveillance um, of these public spaces which actually lose their um, inherently public character. You're obviously fighting very, very powerful uh, lobbyists and who are pushing their politicians in front of them. So Nikos, what, what is your next step? In, the, in your struggle here? 
the next step. All right. Um, so <laughs> give, give us all some steps news. are taken on the same at the same That's time. Good. So That's it's a very good. strange question. To do. Yeah, uh, it's a very strange question to answer. Uh, because... That's my specialty: strange good. questions. It's good. Fine. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, so um, we are uh, we are we want to for for the metro station and our assembly. Uh, we keep on growing. So uh, in the past few months, uh, we grew from a, a team from a from a group of uh, 15, 20 people to a growing number of uh, assemblies of 100 people and so on. Uh, we, are, we had uh, public protests where thousands of people joined, where um, dozens of other institutions like unions uh, and uh, collectives uh, supported. So our, our plan is to work on, on all directions, both on the, on the movement direction and on the, on the legal one as well, and on the media. Uh, the problem is that uh, the the enemy or the opponent uh, is quite huge because we we have to take on the biggest public work that takes place right now in Greece, uh, over with uh, budgets of billions, uh, with uh, with a lot of money that have been spent uh, in uh, unclear and intransparent ways. That this this is money that you cannot take back, uh, which is a problem, right? Because promises have been made uh, between quite powerful people. I just wanted to, to take one step back uh, about the, the story you were mentioning uh, about New York, because I think it's very relevant here about the nice park and who can be against a metro station. So uh, from, my, for, from my point of view, it is related to prioritization, uh, because political, political decisions are, are not uh, good or evil in themselves. They are uh, good or evil in comparison to the alternative. So what we have to deal with now is uh, public works that are not to the benefit of the community because the community has other priorities, because the community has not spoken about what is really needed uh, to us. We didn't have the, the fora to meet and discuss about what is needed, or we have we had the fora, but we have not been listened to. Uh, and the second thing is, uh, is about gentrification. As I mentioned before, it is... Uh, it is not even, for, from my point of view, a question of money, but it's a question of power. Because uh, the, by gentrifying um, spaces, gentrifying cities, and pushing citizens out, you disrupt communities. And communities is an actor. Community is, a, is an institution that can act, and uh, it can defend itself, uh, and it can pursue, and can pursue a power from the central government, from the state, and so on. For this reason, gentrification is a tool, a very nice tool in our area of uh, neoliberalism and so on, that makes profit, that makes numbers look good, and uh, in order to keep the power balance as it is. So these two points about uh, prioritization and power is what I would like to, your listeners to, uh, to keep from, uh, from my point. I think it seems to me that so many governments are getting away with things and not being held accountable. And they have, of course, from my framework, a whole set of human rights that they are accountable to. Um, I can see very interesting human rights arguments being made, uh, in this case in particular, the relationship between free expression and democracy itself and... Um, you say the rights to the city, I might say the right to housing, because it will drive people out of their own community. So um, just to say that I think 
we're in a stage now with resistance where accountability is what the resistance is is about, um, at least in part. And um, I love these actions that are really whole, which is what you're doing, is to hold the government accountable to the community and what the community's needs and human rights are. Mm. Eva, you are going to, you're, you're preparing a conference in Athens very soon. Uh, tell us about your conference. What, what do you want to achieve here? Yes, I will tell you, but first I just want to say uh, one word about uh, why it is important also to fight uh, this gentrification that is occurring in Exarchia. I want to remind people that in Greece there is no social housing, there is no protection for the primary house of people, uh, there is no a budget, a real budget for uh, housing policies, and uh, it's very low in comparison with other expenses of the country. And uh, so this makes all this situation much more difficult. So this was a parenthesis. And then I will say about the, the Athens meeting. So the, the members of the European Action Coalition decided to, to gather in the beginning of November from the 2nd to the 6th in Athens, in Exarchia, in this neighborhood. Um, and uh, so 70 people will come from different grassroots collectives from uh, those uh, 20 countries uh, to speak about their struggles, to exchange uh, their knowledge, their skills, uh, to organize workshops, to discover the fights in Exarchia, and uh, also to make actions uh, with uh, the people uh, fighting in Exarchia to show their solidarity. So if you are uh, in Athens at that moment, uh, we would be very glad that you pass by. Ah, cool. So it's an open invitation. Go to Athens and Exarchia. I want to come. <laughs> yeah, you will be in the region, uh, Leilani. You're going to Palestine. Yeah, but a week later. I no, two weeks later, unfortunately. I'm in the final edit of my, my new film, so I will, I will be locked into the edit suite by my producers. But I will, I will send a <laughs> message of solidarity for sure. <laughs> That's cool. Friends, we have been, we have been talking a lot and, and time's running out, but do you have, send us a final word from, from all of you to, to give us some inspiration and some hope. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, thank you for the invitation and your time. I think it's very important uh, for us to be able to uh, speak about what's happening in our neighborhoods and uh, the global scenario that is uh, slowly unraveling itself also here in Athens. Um, Mia just wanted to say two words about the political significance of gentrification. Um, because uh, me, I see this um, whole move to construction, to repurposing and resignification of public spaces as a, an attempt to raise political memory. Uh, we spoke about how important this neighborhood is. We spoke about all the different components and communities that have created this um, multilingual, multi-ethnic, um, multi-politically affiliated um, neighborhood. And what we're seeing now is on the 9th of um, August, what we saw is just a de facto police military occupation um, of the square 
that has been stationed there for over two months now and basically has taken out one of the most vibrant spaces in the neighborhood. And since the 3rd of October, the same thing happened to the hill. Again, they came, police came with, uh, to accompany the workers and has installed itself at the entrances of the hill, has actually beaten up people trying to approach the basketball court that is nearby, is behaving in such an authoritarian way that uh, when we're speaking about gentrification, what really sticks out to me is the personal experience of this violence that comes with it and the expulsion of the pe people who actually inhabit these communities, these neighborhoods, and are the ones that need to get out so that the big capital can have its way and create fancy new parks for people that won't be able to walk in them. Reminds me of the, the struggle of Istanbul, of the Gezi Park, which was actually a, a struggle that the people won, which was really inspirational in a very short time from a few activists to two million people all over the country fighting against this, the mafia of the construction uh, elite. So I think that's, I mean, it's, it's, it's very inspirational. Nikos. It is just a, a final word, and it is an optimistic one, uh, because we're going to win this. And um, the people listening to you, uh, it's not, maybe it's not important for them uh, if uh, Exarchia Square remains a square if, or if Strefi Hill remains a green public space. But uh, what they need to keep an eye on is the paradigm, the paradigm that a strong community acting together can achieve. This is what has been happening in Exarchia for decades, and this is what is going to happen now. Because governments come and, come and go, but human relationships are there, communities are there to resist. And uh, this is what we, are, uh, we will be doing. We might be inducted, we might be beaten and so on, but we are, we are many. And in the end of the day, uh, regardless of uh, the, the police occupation and so on, it is quite clear that the king is naked. You know, uh, it is, it is uh, an unreasonable, uh, unreasonable. it is uh, uh, a, a public work without any logic uh, behind it. And for this reason, people need to keep an eye on, on things that are clearly unreasonable and are being sold as, as normal, as normalcy, as normality, as everyday life, that they shouldn't be reacting against. Uh, on that note, I'd like, just like to point out that uh, many of uh, your audience uh, are not able to contribute in different ways, but uh, there is a, an ongoing petition with uh, texts in different languages on change.org. And uh, if people are interested in supporting our cause, uh, they can go in and uh, sign uh, our petition to save the square. We will leave a note on uh, the blurb of, uh, of this episode, the address to change.org. Thank you for your final, well, you're sending us off with these words, uh, Nikos. Mm -hmm. uh, Amazing. Oh, I'm not going to weigh in after that. Nico <laughs> said it so beautifully, and Christina as well. And Eva, thank you so much. Uh, and I, I love this change.org. It gives our listeners a way to contribute, even if it's a small way. It's important uh, to build international solidarity around these situations is also important. So yeah. And thank, thank you, you for taking this fight, because I, 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 I really mean it's important for all of us. 
all cities need um, tolerant neighborhoods. And, and normally the people with money hate them because people don't vote for their politicians in those neighborhoods. It's like it's different, you know. I mean, so, I mean, this is a, it's a global thing. And, of course, they, 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 will, they will take the chance, if they can, to, to, to kill the culture. So it's Europe, you, you have something important to defend, obviously. Leilani, this was pushback talks again, and we are uh, we're still out there. It's it's nice. So and uh, this is very well funded podcast. Somebody told me exceptionally well funded. I mean, it's amazing, and with no advertising too. (laughs) (laughs) So how do we fund it? We don't fund it basically. We don't fund it, but we do look for new patrons all the time. If you go to Patreon.com and look for pushback talks, you can support us. A few. Dollars, euros, lira, whatever, always helps. So thank you, old friends in Athens, and thank you, Leilani in Ottawa. Next episode, we're going to meet an activist to fight for the people who live in trailer parks in the U.S. It's Mm -hmm. also a struggle where the big money is now floating in. Horrible story, but we will be there. Thank you very much, and uh, see you soon. Bye, Leilani. Bye, friends. Pushback Talks is produced by WG Film. To support the podcast, become a patron by going to patreon.com slash pushbacktalks or follow us on social media at make underscore the shift and push underscore the film.